0: What awesome and powerful words our Lord speaks to us tonight in the gospel. I I think in a particular way the phrase that stands out in my mind is, no greater love can a man have than this that he lay down his life for his friends. That's a a really very, very powerful saying that's repeated by a lot of people. It's kind of a famous passage from the Bible, and, and rightly so. So I want to speak about that verse, but also I think I'm going to try to, if I don't forget to, I'm going to try to include the verse where Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I find that interesting too, if you, if you can listen to how he phrases it. It's a very uh, important part, I think, of our, of our gospel passage. Here, I'll start with a story though. This is a story I read recently. Goes back to World War One, and uh, in the first World War, it was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was France and it was Great Britain and it was uh, the U S. and I think Italy as well against uh, Germany and the Ottoman Empire and some other uh, other uh, countries. Well, as we know, I think uh, in World War One. Probably when we think of World War One, we think of like the Red Bomber, you know, we think of that. But also trench warfare. That war was really characterized by trench warfare. And it was very vicious and very brutal and very nasty. Um, so pretty much all of Europe was just broken up into trenches. Uh France, Belgium, Switzerland, it was all just turned into trenches in this huge war uh which which took so many lives and it was terrible. And uh, the trenches were always on the front, the front line of the battle, and the and the men that were in those trenches would be there for four days, at least from the American uh, way of fighting, as we would be there for four days at a time in the trenches. Can you imagine that? How do you sleep, right? How do you sleep for in these trenches, right? If you're there for four days, and then if you live, then you get to go back behind the behind the front lines for four days, and then eventually you got to go back to the trenches. Well there is a story uh, about two guys who were friends uh, they're you know the from Iowa farm boys and they got placed in the same troop which I don't know how common that was but in any event they they were friends since they were kids and they were they were sent to fight together in this in this one uh troop I don't know what the term is battalion or whatever and they were both out on a night patrol and uh by the time the night patrol came back, one of the friends was missing. Actually, the two names it was Eric and Joe. Okay, so we're just going to say. So when Eric and Joe came back, these guys are you know young guys in their twenties, early twenties. Um, Eric was missing, so his his buddy uh, Joe was very concerned about him and asked the officer, the leading officer, if he could go out and look for him. And uh, it was fast the dawn was fast approaching so there wasn't a lot of time left before it was daylight and you don't want to go out in daylight you're, you're a sitting duck at that point for artillery and snipers and things like that so the officer kind of reluctantly agreed go ahead, go and so um, Joe heads out and he's you know can be seen crawling into one crater and, and one trench and another thing and eventually he disappears and his, his uh, the buddies in his troop don't see him anymore Daylight comes, and the nightfall comes, So, and he eventually makes it back into the trench. And he comes back, and he's wounded mortally, Joe is. And the medics are attending to him, and the officer says, I heard that you made contact with Eric, is that true? And he says, yeah, I made contact with him just before he died. I found him just before he died. And of course, Joe himself is di- about to die. And the officer is, is cursing himself and he's saying, I should have never sent you out. It was a terrible mistake. How can I answer for this? You know, he feels really bad that he let this guy go out looking for his friend. And you know, <laughs> uh, Joe's response was pretty amazing. He said... He said, it wasn't a waste at all, because when I found him, just before he died, he said to me, I knew you'd come looking for me. Isn't that an amazing story? And then eventually he died, too, not not long after. You know, I I reflect on that story, and I said to myself, was that a waste? You know, I mean, definitely from a certain point of view, that was a total waste, Why? (laughs) He went out and he made contact with this guy and it was worthless. He just he never saved him. He died, came back and lost his own life. It was like a total waste. But at the same time, I don't think it was a waste. There's something deeper going on there. And that was what we're seeing there is the love of friendship. And it's not about, you know, with friendship, it's not about the outcome and the product If you can remember, you know, sometime during Lent and during the scrutinies, I talked about the passage in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, living water will spring up within you. And I said, what's the living water? And I said, well, it's the goodness of God. And I talked about the different kinds of good, right? And I talked about what's the pleasurable good and the useful good. But then I talked about the moral good. And you see, friendship, so if I can, you know, I talked about Pepto-Bismol as the useful good, Wine is the, is the pleasurable good, but, you know, the pleasurable good has got limits to it. It can be abused, it can, it can, be, it can be done too much. The useful good is only a means to an end, it's not an end in itself. The moral good, though, you can never have enough of it. It can never be abused, it's always good. And true friendship is based on that spiritual good, that we truly want what's really good for the other person. And it's a spiritual thing. It's an interior thing. It comes forth from our hearts. And it's what love is. It's really the definition of love. It's loving the other person means willing what's truly, spiritually, eternally good for them. Not being in a relationship because you get a certain kind of pleasure from it or a certain kind of utility. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a relationship based on pleasure. You guys like to go golfing together. Hey, that's okay. You know, but it, this is not a deep friendship unless it's based on something deeper. Okay? And then of course some relationships based on pleasure are not good. Alright? I don't want to fill in the blanks there, but you can imagine what I'm talking about. <laughs> Alright? Okay, so, and usefulness as well too. You know, maybe you're in a relationship with someone, you know, they fix your car, you fix their house. Okay, so it's a useful relationship. Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes that, you know, relationship of utility is bad. It's like you're being manipulated, you're being used. Okay. See that true love and true friendship is not like that. It's always wanting what's truly good for the other person. It's not, you know, what's in it for me. And that's the kind of love that Jesus has for us. So the kind of love that Joe showed to Eric and that Eric recognized that it was it was in Joe's mind it was completely worth it that he made just contact with his friend as a sign of his love for him and it was worth it he would have he he threw his life away just for that that's how amazing love and true friendship really is that it's more important than your even even your life so that's how you know a friendship is not based on mere utility or pleasure now here's the second line here from the gospel that i think about it i think it's very interesting jesus says you are my friends if you do what i command you notice he doesn't say i'm your friend If you do what I command you. Notice that. Isn't that really interesting? He does not say, if you do what I command you, I'm your friend. Mm -mm. He says, if you do what I command you, you are my friend. Jesus is always our friend because regardless of whether or not we're faithful to his commandments, he's the guy that goes crawling out through the trenches in the middle of the night and wastes his life just to reach for us and to make contact with us. And his friendship and his love for us is one of the most amazing challenges for me personally that I can think of. Whenever I'm tempted to do something just on the basis of pleasure or utility or whatever it might be, instead of truly pursuing what's morally good, instead of pursuing what's truly good for the other person, I think of what Christ did for me and the kind of selfless friendship that he showed to me when he went to the cross and i say how could i how could i disappoint him how can i not return the like friendship how can i not return the like love i never want to displease my friend jesus my lord my savior i want to do what he commands me And so, show myself to be his friend. Because I know he's shown himself to be my friend. So my brothers and sisters, as we wrap up the Easter season and we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we celebrate a love that's stronger than death. That's more valuable than any of our lives, even. And that's worth wasting our entire life on. And that was seen in the resurrection of Christ after Good Friday. That was seen in Easter Sunday after Good Friday. My brothers and sisters, let's return that same kind of love to Christ. He's shown us that he's our friend. Let's show him that we're his friends.